Good afternoon, good morning, good evening, wherever you guys are in the world. Firstly, thank you very much for tuning in and lending me your ear. Um, for those of you, the, the Muslims among you who are fasting, or even so, so even the non-Muslims maybe, who might be practicing fasting or whatever, for, um, for to show a bit of solidarity. I remember when I did my teacher training, we had we were doing our training in the month of Ramadan, and there were loads of non-Muslims who did like a day of fasting. But anyway, I pray that it's going well for you guys um, on our first day. So this episode is quite... Um, obviously, I, I wanted us to talk about a load of the vocabulary that we use all the time in the month of Ramadan, but I thought, you know, in, the, in this episode we're going over the t- 10 really important words in Arabic that you need to understand for the month of Ramadan, because these words roll off the Muslim's lips every Ramadan from the age of about five, right? But a lot, but very few people really know what they mean or where they come from, so what I want to do in this episode is uh, really just dive into them. So I have 10 listed words that you probably use every single day, um, you know, talking about the month of Ramadan or just using them in the month of Ramadan. And uh, yes, that's what we're going to get into. So just before we get into the podcast, I'd like to tell you a little bit about a very, very special Arabic program that I've put together called the Arabic in 60 Steps program. So after that, uh, we're going to get stuck into the podcast. So see you in a second. The Arabic in 60 Steps program is a step-by-step online Arabic course, which takes you right from learning your very first few words in the Arabic language and putting them together to make simple sentences, right the way up to knowing over a thousand Arabic words and being able to access texts like the Quran, Hadith literature, and even Arabic poetry. The minute you join, you have immediate access to the video course and up over a hundred bonus resources. I'll put your premium printed and bound workbook in the post for you, first class that very same day. Wherever you live in the world, we'll get one out to you at no extra cost whatsoever. And you'll also get six months of one-to-one mentorship from one of our graduate level mentors. You know, just to give you some of the names of the mentors that we have. First, we have our brother Mohammed, who's actually been a guest on the podcast. He's actually a graduate himself of the Arabic in 60 Steps program. So he knows it like the back of his hand. But we also have our brother Ismail Beaumont, who's the founder and the creator of Mesur Arabic. It's an enormous privilege to have him as one of the mentors on the program. And then for the sisters, we have our sister Maymoon, who's actually from Singapore originally, but spent a number of years studying in Syria. She has a very, very high level Arabic graduate, mashallah. So the course is an investment. You know, we need to tell you it is an investment. It needs to be so that we know the students that we're getting are serious. And you know that the teachers and the instruction that you're getting is serious and we're going to get the job done. So although students normally have to pay thousands of pounds to get this volume of resources and support and to have it so flexible and such high quality provided for them, we actually only charge £497. And that's for lifetime access, by the way. And what's even better is that we do actually have a few different payment plans available to help students spread the cost if needs be. I mean, look... Come on, thousands of people out there are spending way over £50 a month on coffee and takeaways. Using that money for a few months to learn Arabic instead is a seriously good deal. To find out more, to have a personal phone call with me for half an hour to see if it's a good fit for you and to see how we can get you on the program, just go to www.arabicin60steps.com. Hope to hear from you guys soon. Assalamu alaikum everybody, this is your Arabic teacher Sam and a very warm welcome to episode 32 of the Arabic with Sam, a podcast. I pray that you guys are well. And in the best of health. Um, yeah, so today, first day of fasting, alhamdulillah. Um, yeah, always the first few days are a little bit shaky sometimes. Uh, in previous years, I've spent kind of my first few days just in bed. But um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I, I practice fasting a lot generally throughout the year anyway. So, you know, so that, like I have done this year. Previously, I haven't done so. Inshallah, that'll make it a bit easier this year. So let's get into these 10 words uh, for talking about the month of Ramadan. So the first one, um, there's actually there's actually two, but they come from the same word, and they, they pretty much mean the same thing. It's just the word for fasting itself. So there's the word siyam, which you'll hear. Kutiba alaykum as-siyam. 
um, like fasting is written for you or is prescribed for you. And there's also the word psalm. And we see both of them used. Obviously, we in, in that area, we see the word siyam. That fasting is kind of prescribed for you. But then if you're talking about it from the perspective of you doing the fasting, you tend to use the word psalm. Um, but the words are pretty much synonymous, really. They both just kind of mean the process of fasting. Psalm or siyam. And they do actually come from the verb sama or psalm. It is one of these hollow verbs. I could have... I could have included it in step nine in the in the Arabic in 60 steps program. For those of you other students who are listening, I could have included it in there. If you're on that step, write down psalm or your psalm as well in your notes because it will be a very useful one. So so that's just kind of the word for, for fasting in general. And, and the fasting in Ramadan is like, it is a pillar of Islam. Like it is... It is one of the five five things that actually upholds Islam, and you know, for those of you those of you who aren't Muslims who work with Muslims and stuff, um, you know, who might be fasting this month, fasting is a pillar of Islam. It's not it's not something that's kind of, you know, optional. There are reasons why people are exempt from it, um, you know, reasons to do with sickness and travel and stuff like that. But um, but yeah, the words Saum, Saumun and Siyamun are both pretty much synonymous. They're used slightly differently, but pretty much synonymously. The next is the word tarawih, tarawih, and um, a tarawih is actually, I'll, I'll let you guys know actually, the 22nd of this month, 22nd of May, I have an episode of uh, Root of the Week scheduled. On YouTube, I'm going to start a little series just called Root of the Week, and we're just going to go through a different root in the Arabic language, and um, yeah, talk about words that come from that root, and how to use that root, and kind of historical significance of that Arabic language root, and uh, in... Um, uh, is it episode three? I think I think it must be episode three of that. We're doing um, the the roots ra wa and ha, where the word ruh comes from, and uh, that'll be a good one for you to for you to look at. But so so what is tarawih? What is tarawih? And what what kind of things does it come from? Like we're we're really going to go into loads of detail on that in um yeah on the twenty second inshallah. But um I'll give you a little a little intro to it now. So its root letters are ra, wa, and ha, right? You might have heard the word ruh, meaning like a soul or a spirit, a ruh. But there is also a verb, which those of you who speak Arabic, you'll be familiar with. Ra, ha, means to go somewhere. Its actual, its actual root meaning, it's, it's like dhahaba, to go somewhere, but it's specifically in the evening or at night. And what the tarawih is, the tarawih prayers, what they are, are when the Muslims go to the mosque at night, and you might pray eight rakahs, twenty rakahs, or whatever, uh, depending on the um, the school of thought of the mosque. It's it's not a numbers game. Like it doesn't doesn't matter. Do you know what I mean? Like I like I'm of the opinion that you pray eight, but I'll still pray twenty if I'm in a mosque where they pray twenty or whatever. Or, or if they're if I'm in a mosque where they pray thirty six or whatever, I pray thirty six. Do you know what I mean? Like it's 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 that, the the numbers aren't important, but it's just different mosques practice it slightly differently so that's what it is, right? You you, you might go and sometimes you're there for an hour and a half, right? It's it's not a compulsory. Um, part of the religion, but it is like a highly, highly recommended um, thing to do in the religion. Like, it is a really good thing to do, and it is just really nice, generally. Like, I, I love going to Tarawih. Um, yeah, some of, like, some of, yeah, yeah, just some of the best nights of my life, really, were were praying Tarawih in Cornwall. Um, yeah, it was really nice. Like, m- m- most of the Muslims in Cornwall are Bangladeshis who have restaurants and stuff, so, like, we'd pray really late, like, one o'clock in the morning we'd start. But um, yes, yeah, so that's what tarawih is, and, and and tarawih, as I was kind of saying, like it has, it has the root meaning of like to go out at night, which is what you do when you go out to the masjid at night. It has to do with the word ruh, soul, and it's kind of kind of a spiritual thing that you do when you go out at night. And um, what was the other thing? Yeah, there's there's also it also kind of has, um, like the like the word istaraha, the form ten istaraha is to kind of relax or to kind of to kind of be at peace. 
right? It's kind of tarawi, these night prayers are kind of an amalgamation of all of those things, right? Is you go out at night to do something spiritual, which brings you peace, which brings you rest. And um, yeah, so, so so that's kind of the second word. Tarawi. And I, yeah, I did kind of want to mention as well that it's not, like a lot of my students kind of think that it's it's the mustard. It's the noun from the verb rawaha, tarawi. You know, the verbs that are like on the fa'ala pattern, like darrasa or allama. The mustard is ta'lim or tadris or whatever the verb is, right? Kassara taksir, right? Darrasa tadris, allama ta'lim. Um, but it's not, it's not that. There is a long elif in there, tarawih. It's actually on a it's actually on a plural pattern, right? Like, you know, the word miftah, meaning a key. Its plural is mafatih. And tarawih is on that same pattern, right? It's not like a plural pattern. It's not the, um, yeah, it's not tarwih, it's tarawih. Nice. Next word is the word iftar. Iftar. Iftar, actually, um, the, the root for iftar, fatara, actually has a root of, we're actually going to do an episode of, of we're actually going to do an episode of Root of the Week where we go into that too. So keep an eye on the YouTube channel, you guys. Um, and now I'm kind of filling the gaps a little bit. But but the word iftar, number three, is actually from the verb aftara. Aftara. If you're gonna say like I will I break I will break my fast, uftir, uftiru, or we are breaking our fast, nuftiru. Yeah. Um or I've broken my fast, aftart, aftartu. Yeah, if someone's if someone like says to you, Have you broken your fast? You say, Naam aftartu. Like I've I've broken my fast. Yeah. So um yeah, aftara means literally to break your fast. But there are like in English, like our word ing our word for breakfast comes from breaking the fast. Right? That's where our word breakfast comes from. Arabic has that too, right? Arabic has the, the word for breakfast being from the same as the word iftar. Like you, you, you don't you don't tend to use the word iftar for breaking for like your normal breakfast in the morning. You use it for breaking a fast. But um, yeah, but they come from the same root. They absolutely come from the same root. Next we have the word suhoor. Suhoor. Your suhoor is the meal that you have in the morning, right? So your iftar, even though it's like having breakfast but in the evening. Right, right. It's the meal that you use to break your fast, right? Your iftar, but your suhoor is your one in the morning, right? I really don't know what the origins of of suhoor are. Um, you know, like I, I don't know a verb like sahara, or um, I I do actually know there's a color um ashar asharu, and it actually comes from the same root as the word um asahara, meaning the desert, right? Um, ashar is like the color of the desert. Kind of like a like a sandy red or something like that kind of color, and um, but I'm I'm not really sure how we get suhoor from that. Not 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 entirely sure. I did look up whether I got it wrong and it was spelled with the seen or something, but it's not. You know, in, in all the articles and stuff, it is spelled with the sad and that is the root. And it might just be a word that has been inherited into Arabic from something. Hopefully, actually, I imagine Brother Shaheen or Rahman will message me this evening and tell me off for not knowing. And there is something important. So if there is, I'll post something about it on my Instagram. Right? If someone messages me and tells me something that I should know about the word suhoor, I'll put it on my Instagram. Because, um, yeah, yeah, mashallah, tabarakallah. Brother Shaheen or Rahman often has feedback for me and stuff on, on the podcast. He might tell me off for not knowing something. Wallillah, <laughs> alhamd. So, um, okay, and the next word is the word Eid. Um, Eid should have gone at the end, really, because it's at the end of Ramadan, but um, but but no problem. Um, yeah, Eid is just a festival, it's a celebration, right? There is a verb that it comes from, um, um which means to kind of, yeah, to, to celebrate something. It's, it's very close to, like, it's very close to that, like, it just means to celebrate or to observe a certain celebration, is the word Eid. And, um, yeah, there are only two Eids in Islam. There's one 
Um, there's Eid al-Adha, like the, the Eid of the sacrifice, and there's the one at the end of Ramadan, which is Eid al-Fitr. Um, the word Fitr, again, right, the, from, from, from Aftara, like we saw um, in number three. So, and then the next one, the next word that I wanted to say is, this is something that's really important to do in the month of Ramadan, is As-Sadaqa. Sadaqatun. Yeah, As-Sadaqa. It means charity, right? So, charity is something that something that skyrockets, alhamdulillah, in the month of Ramadan. Like, the Muslims tend to give a serious, serious amount of money to the poor in Ramadan. And, and that's absolutely what we should do, right? Like, the good deeds, the good deeds that the Muslim does are just multiplied in the month of Ramadan. And, um... Yeah, but the word sadaqah itself, like, um, I suppose in English our word charity, we, we do kind of have a, to be charitable and stuff, we have have the idea of that, but sadaqah, like the, the term as-sidq, as-sidq is, is to be truthful about something, right? Like the as-sidq, there's a hadith in which the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam says, alaykum bis-sidq. You know, it, it is it is upon you to be truthful, right? Like like the Muslim has to tell the truth, basically is what it means. And it comes from the same root as that. And even like the verb sadaqah and, and even the form to sadaqah is to speak the truth about something. So for sadaqah to be sadaqah, it needs to be sadiq. It needs to be truthful, right? It's, it needs to be sincere. It needs to be truthful for it to be really, for it to really be sadaqah. You know, like, you know, sometimes people kind of use charity as a... Um, as a means for something else, right? Like you might get a big company that donate a laptop or donate computers to a village in Africa or whatever. And like, so sometimes it's more, it's, it's, it's more about, um, I don't know, it's more about what that company or that individual can gain from it personally, you know, like it's, um, you know, I'm, I'm, you know like that, that, although there might be good that comes from it, that isn't necessarily sadaqah because it's not sadaq. Like you've not done it sort of truthfully for that purpose you've not done it for the sake of Allah to, to help that person you know so um yeah but that, that that those are kind of the things that kind of um those are kind of some of the meanings that surround the idea of sadaqah next um number seven uh, we're getting close to the end is the word sabr sabr I thought I would um include sabr because at the end of the day like like I love the month of Ramadan like I look forward to the month of Ramadan but there are some times in the month of Ramadan where you just need to exercise a bit of patience. You know I mean, there are sometimes, especially when I want to be, I want to be making videos and I want to be, you know, responding to all of my messages on Instagram, all of my emails. I want to be talking to students and stuff. And just naturally, you won't have the same energy levels sometimes. Do you know what I mean? Like it'll, once you've been fasting for 15 hours or whatever, you you will just have to, you will just have to practice sabr. You will have to practice patience. And, um, you know, yeah, there is a verb sabara, and the active participle is really common, a sabir, sabir. If someone is sabir, it means that they are, they are patient. Um, I heard, um, I heard in Palestine, there's a, there's like a kind of affectionate term for a donkey, is Abu Sabir, is like the patient one, because, I don't know, like, I don't think it's just a Palestinian thing, I think it is just an, I think it's an Arab thing in general, but around the world, when you see donkeys, they're so patient. Sometimes they just stand there for like for hours. <laughs> like people who actually use donkeys to like get around and they use them to carry stuff. Like a donkey might just be stood outside a house just just looking off in one direction for like for five or six hours, right? So like the, a name for a donkey for a, for a himar is that Abu Sabir. Uh, but yeah, sabr is is the word for patience, and um, yeah, sabr is a patient one, and asabirun are the patient ones. Um, and and a lot of you will have heard asabirin. There's a very famous kind of um, it's repeated a few times actually in the Quran, I believe. But where, where we hear Inna Allah ma'asabirina, 
Yeah, in that case, it, ha it needs to be Sabirina because it's after Ma. You know, Ma will change the case of the Sabirina to be Sabirina. Uh, yeah, but in, in Allah, indeed Allah, Ma'asabirin is with the patient ones. So this episode of the podcast is going on long, is going on quite long. So those of you who are stuck around are the Sabirin. So in Allah, Ma'akum, yeah, Allah is with you because you are the Sabirin. Cool, next one, uh, number eight is the word Taqwa. Why have I included Taqwa? Because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says that, um, you know, that, that that's the month of Ramadan is to increase us in Taqwa. Yeah, it's La'allakum am tattaqoon. Is so that you will you will become more taqi. You will be more taqi. And uh, so, what is taqwa? So, um, taqwa is is really shielding yourself from sins. Um, if you are a person of taqwa, you will protect yourself from sins. So, um, yeah. So it does mean piety. It does mean piety, but it's but it kind of has um like I believe it I believe it actually comes from the word like wakaya or something like that, which means like a shield. Is literally taking active steps to protect yourself from the temptation of making of committing sins. So, like an act of taqwa would be, um, you know, let's say like you're going out on a journey or whatever, and you want to make sure that you don't miss your salah, right? Like an act of taqwa might be making wudu before you go, like having the things in place to protect yourself from missing your salah, right? Like that that is an act of taqwa. And obviously, the month of Ramadan itself, like when you're fasting, that is an act of taqwa because. When you're practicing, not even doing things that are normally halal, right? It's halal to drink water. It's halal to eat chicken burger. Do you know what I mean? Like, but you're not doing those things when you're fasting. So you're practicing not doing things that are permissible. So if it were to come to the time where you might want to do something that's not permissible, there's no way you'd do it. That you've gotten so good at not even doing things that are halal, let alone doing things that are not halal, right? So that brings us on to another another point about the month of Ramadan. You know, this is this is number nine. I wanted us to talk about the word shaitan. Shaitan. Um, a really common mistake I always used to make in my tajweed is saying like shaitan. You know, you'd say shaitan ya rajim. Yeah, it's, but it's not shaitan. It's just shaitan. Shaitan, and it means the Satan, right? The 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 Satan, the 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 devil, right? Who is from the jinn? Who's not not from the angels? He's from the jinn, and um. Yeah, shaytan, the plural of which is shayatin. Um You shouldn't use it, but sometimes people do use it to kind of describe really naughty children. So that they're shayatin. Um Yeah, and you do have a plural because I think, you know, this confused me actually a little bit. Obviously coming from like the Christian tradition, from my background, like you do have the plural shayatin, And it's because like the shaytan, when we talk about a shaytan, we're talking about, we're talking about, a jinn who was called Iblis, and he got given the name Shaytan, right? But, like, other jinn can become Shayateen, right? If they're, like, followers of the Shaytan of Iblis, then, um, yeah, so that that's why it has a plural. The, the plural Shayateen is, is Mamnur Man Asarf. Actually, so is the word Shaytan. Both of them are Mamnur Man Asarf as well. So you don't hear, like, Shaytanun or Shayateenun. You just see Shaytanu or Shayateenu. And then the last one. Uh, this is uh, number 10, and it's something that you do in the last 10 days of the month of Ramadan, and it's it's i'tikaf, i'tikaf. Um, it's obviously a form 8 verb, i'tikaf, is that right? I'tikaf, it is, isn't it? Um, and it kind of means to um, to be kind of devoted, or um, yeah, or like you're committed or devoted to something, and, and i'tikaf, when you do i'tikaf, it means that you kind of um, you seclude yourself in the mosque. Um, it, it doesn't actually technically need to be in the mosque. Um, it just needs to be seclusion that, 
that you can practice. It's, it's optional to practice. But, um, yeah, but people all, all, all over the country, like in every mosque in the country, there'll be people practicing it where they stay in the mosque for the last 10 days of the month of Ramadan. Like, they don't leave it at all. They stay in the mosque, they sleep in the mosque, they eat in the mosque. They do everything just in the mosque for those last 10 days. Uh, I've only ever done it once in my life. Um, I did it in Cornwall a few years ago, alhamdulillah. But, um, yeah, it does come from the root akifa. There is a word akif. Um, yeah, that's used in the Quran as well. The word akif in Surah Al-Hajj, I believe. Um, what does it come after? I can't, I can't remember. I can't remember. You can look it up yourself with the word akif as well. It's kind of people who are dwelling somewhere. Al-akif. Akifun. It's obviously the the, the fa'il, the ism fa'il, the active participle of akifa. So those are the ten words. Okay, I'll just do one last run through them. So we had we had um, sawm and siyam. Then we had tarawih. Then we had iftar. We had suhoor. We had eid. We had sadaqa, sabr, taqwa, shaytan, and i'tikaf. So um, so I hope that that was that was useful actually as well for the non-Muslims as well, just to have a bit of an insight into what their colleagues and friends and stuff are, are up to this month and uh, some other useful words that are around it as well. And and good for the Muslims as well, so that you have a little bit of context on, on these words that you are talking about every single day and roll off your lips every day. So um, yes, that's it for this episode of the podcast. Um, what I will say, just uh, just as, as we're coming to the end of the podcast, so I do really, really want to thank uh, my patrons. Um, obviously, I have a Patreon now. Um, I have a I have a page where people can go and they can pledge one dollar a month, two dollars a month, hundred dollars a month, two hundred dollars. I don't think I have got two hundred dollars a month, but but fifty dollars a month and whatever. And there are a number of different incentives that people can get, right? Like if if you're contributing fifty dollars a month, I think, or seventy dollars a month or something like that, then I'm gonna have merchandise for you, right? Like you get Arabic language orientated merchandise every month, or um, you know, if if you contribute just one dollar, you get to vote on up and coming episodes and stuff like that. Like if there's a topic you particularly want me to cover, you can suggest ideas and stuff like that too. So I really, really want to thank my pa- my patrons. Uh, you guys are amazing. You guys who will put your hand in your pocket and um, and help me out a little bit on this mission that I have to make Ara- make the Arabic language a bit more accessible to people and play my part in um, just improving the level of the Arabic language among the people. Um, yes, I want to thank you guys personally for that. So that's everything for this video, or, or, or just podcast. Actually, some of you are just listening in the ears, aren't you? Um, yes, that's everything for this episode. Uh, next episode, episode thirty-three, we're going to be talking about the Kana family. Uh, ages ago, I did do an episode about um, using Kana, how to use the verb Kana, and a number of people have asked me, well, what are the other sisters of Kana? Because there's like thirteen of them or something, and I only ever talk about a few of them. So we're going to talk about the whole Kana family next week, and it'll be quite a nice, quite a nice episode. Those of you who like grammar, or those of you who like verbs or whatever, you'll love it. So that's everything. Um, what else do I want you to do? I want you to have a great day. So let's end it there, guys. Catch you guys in the next episode. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuhu.